Blog Talk Radio.
mind Feeling like committing a crime Get a lot for that I won't snitch, I ain't dropping a dime I'm a self-made hustler, top of the line I'm representing my mans on the block The chopper working move, grams on the block
your number one source for knowledge in the information age. High Frequency Radio Network.
God. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. This is the Foundation, and we are High Frequency. And we also understand that incorrect information, incorrectly applied, can get you hurt. Correct information, incorrectly applied, can get you hurt. So we are looking to apply that correct information correctly. As always. And per usual, I want to say all thanks honors praises due to the creator and the ancestors I also want to say peace to my big brother <laughs> shout out to the homie used to fail I like to call him affectionately big brother Yusuf or uncle uncle used to fail or big brother uncle Yusuf you can call him big brother uncle Yusuf you know, I'm, I'm tripping myself up. For short, just call him Big Brother, Uncle Yusuf. Hell. High Frequency Radio Network creator, man. That's my man. Look, affectionately, man. That's my look, man. I love that man. That's my guy, man. Straight up, man. Just you know, working hard as always, man. Shout out to the Big Brother. I would like to welcome you to check out Welcome to the Foundation. That's welcome to the foundation.com. Make sure to sign up for the email list. Check out that PDF section for the free. Not for the fee. PDF section is for the free. You can find the Facebook, the Twitter tab. The Instagram, all that stuff, you know. Uh, the ed- educational portion of the site. Foundation Trust Primer, Foundation Trust Series Part 1 and 2. Passport, No Social Part 1 and 2. With the brother Chris L. As well as, you can book a consultation and you can make a donation. All at the same spot. Welcome to the foundation.com. It's so convenient. I, you know, I'm amazed. I'm actually amazed at how convenient the website is. Let me quit playing. I'm in a good mood, y'all. I hope you are, too. I want to say peace to all the listeners. Speaking of. And that's all the live listeners, the live callers, the live internet listeners, as well as a big shout-out to the archive listeners, all the podcast listeners, MP3 listeners, first-time listeners, 15,000-time listeners. I don't know. Hey, man. I know there ain't been that many shows, but still, you know what I'm saying? I want to say peace to you. And I can't forget to say peace to all the trustees in private trustee training and all those who are investing otherwise in their private education. And finally, want to say peace to anyone that we've done business with in the private, anyone 
who has sent an email or well wishes or current event or otherwise added to the foundation, I definitely, we definitely want to say peace to you, appreciate you. We do it for you. Today we got Glitch the Matrix Part 2. Got some good, good, good feedback on the first Glitch the Matrix series here on the foundation on High Frequency Radio Network. Good. Because, you know, I'm in the forefront, I would say, of those who say it's, it's time to really, you know, do that dance. Um, well, a lot of people are gonna, you know, realize when it's too late, but you know, and uh, we just, you know, we here and we looking out for those who are, you know, ready to ready to do that dance. You know what I'm saying? So the Glitch the Matrix series is for y'all. It's definitely for y'all. So I appreciate and am humbled. At the reception So hopefully we can do that dance with this one This one is The Credit Cash system of America You don't know what a cash system is We're going to get into that We're going to jump into all this stuff But first Y'all know what we got to do We got to hit these current events So with that being said First and foremost The Fed revisits the idea of pledging to keep interest rates low. What does that mean? It's on Reuters.com. Federal Reserve policy makers are looking at reviving a Great Recession area promise to keep interest rates low until certain conditions are met in a bid to deliver a more rapid recovery from the recession triggered by this pandemic. So in the last recession... They pledged. They made a pledge to keep interest rates low. Here we go. The policymakers, quote, generally indicated support, end quote, for the tying rate setting policy to specific economic outcomes. Minutes from the U.S. Central Bank's June 9th through 10th policy meeting showed on Wednesday. A number of favored a promise to leave rates low until inflation meets or even modestly exceeds the Fed's 2% goal. A couple of policymakers prefer tying changes to rates to a specific unemployment rate. A few others wanted to promise easy monetary policy until a specific date in the future, an approach the Fed used effectively in 2012 and 2013. Although two warned of the danger of adopting any such policy, citing financial stability risks, the minutes showed that policymakers overall supported giving the public more explicit forward guidance, both for rates and bond purchases, quote, as more information about the trajectory of the economy becomes available, end quote. Here we go. <clears throat> Here we go. Reuters, U.S. House approves extension of small business loan program. The U.S. House of Representatives today approved an extension of a $660 billion lending program in an effort to help small businesses hit hard by the pandemic, renewing 
a lifeline that had just expired. The Senate approved the extension on Tuesday. It would keep the Paycheck Projection Program, which expired at midnight Tuesday, operating through August 8th. The bill, which both chambers passed on a voice vote, now goes to President Donald Trump for signing into law. Lawmakers have been at odds over what additional steps are needed to help people, businesses, and local governments cope with the pandemic debt. Excuse me, with the pandemic that has sickened more than 2.6 million Americans. Treasury Department and the Small Business Administration have handed out $515 billion since April under the Small Business Lending Program to help cash-strapped companies make rent and keep workers employed. The House and Senate action is aimed at keeping the funds flowing at least a few more weeks as lawmakers discuss restructuring the program for the longer term. Congress has signed off on roughly $3 trillion dollars in aid so far with the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell and other Fed policymakers have said more will be needed. Reuters, Fed uh, I just did that one, my bad. Investors are waking up to a possible Biden victory in the U.S. presidential election. It's on Reuters.com. Check I mean, do you know? Do you do your dance? Investors are increasingly preparing for market volatility ahead of the U.S. presidential election, with some shifting stocks positions and selling the dollar as dramatic contender Joe Biden maintains a lead against presidential Donald Trump in opinion polls. Some money managers, however, are already preparing for the possibility of a Biden victory. By betting against the dollar and cutting their positions in U.S. stocks, the president's poll numbers have fallen off a cliff, said Phil Orlando, chief equity market strategist at Federated Hermes. The market is looking at this and saying if the election were held today, Biden would win, end quote. The latest Reuters Ipsos poll showed Biden leading Trump by eight percentage points among registered voters. Approval of Trump's handling of the pandemic has plummeted. A Biden victory, as well as possible Democratic sweep of the House and Senate, could threaten policies championed by Trump and generally favored by Wall Street, including lower corporate tax rates and fewer regulations. So basically they're saying that the <laughs> the market's going to crash if that happens. I... Uh, I think it's interesting nonetheless. We'll move on. CNBC. Dollar edges lower amid uncertain U.S. outlook. Dang. The dollar slipped alternating between gains and losses as markets digested. Less bearish comments from U.S. monetary officials along with more dire prognosis from the country's top medical expert on the spread of the virus. The dollar gained against the euro and the yen, but fell versus sterling, the Swiss franc, and commodity currencies such as the Australian, New Zealand, and Canadian dollars. Mnuchin said he's working with the House and Senate to pass more relief by the end of July, while Powell said the Fed can lower the minimum loan threshold under the Main Street lending program in the future. To say the least, CNBC dollar falters as decent U.S. data curbs 
Haven demand. The dollar slipped today in choppy trading with the market having a modest appetite for risk-taking amid generally upbeat U.S. data and improving European economic numbers. The greenback fell against currencies that perform well in times of risk appetite. However, moves in currency market have little conviction as doubts mounted about a much-anticipated global economic recovery given the resurgence of the U.S. cases of the virus illness caused by the sweeping pandemic and the threat of renewed lockdowns in U.S. states deemed hot spots. Dollars faltering. Marketwatch.com. I usually don't, you know, but hey, this is this dude is from he's a Yale University senior professor. And I checked it out, so I guess whatever. But uh, the decline of the U.S. dollar could happen at warp speed in the era of coronavirus. This is prominent economist Stephen Roach, a Yale University senior fellow and former Morgan Stanley Asia chairman, tells Market Watch that his forecast for a sharp deterioration of the U.S. dollar could be a very near-term phenomenon, not an event that looms off in the distance. Quote, I do think it's something that happens sooner rather than later, end quote. The economist told Market Watch during an afternoon interview. His comments come as the financial expert has been warning for weeks of an epic downturn of the dollar that could signal the end of the hegemony of the greenback as a reserve currency, an event that would ripple through global financial markets. Roach is calling for the dollar to soon decline at least 35% against its major rivals, citing increases in the nation's deficit and dwindling savings. Quote, these, this massive shift to fiscal stimulus is going to blow out the national savings rates and the current account deficit, end quote. We re, this is him reiterating comments he has previously made in interviews and an op-ed that published by Bloomberg News on June 14th. Last week, the U.S. current account deficit, a measure of the nation's debt to other countries, slipped in the first quarter. Falling to 104.2 billion, the current account reveals if a country is a net lender or a debtor. Roach said that his recent warnings about the dollar have garnered intense and emotional responses from readers and critics because he believes that the U.S. is at a particularly sensitive time in history. He said the racial upheaval sparked. during the pandemic and the intensity of the election have combined to elicit powerful responses from readers that he hasn't gotten since his days writing financial commentary and Morgan Stanley. <laughs> We're at a critical point. Uh, he went on to say, I'm going to move forward, but this is Stephen Roach, who's a Yale University senior fellow and a former Morgan Stanley Asia chairman. <clears throat> I don't know. Does he know what he's talking about? Who knows? CNBC dollar rises as surge in cases, virus cases, boost haven bid. Is it going up? Is it going down? 
CNBC, Trump says he supports larger payments to Americans than Democrats in next coronavirus relief bill. <laughs> President Donald Trump said today that he supports another round of direct payments to Americans and claimed he wants to give out more money than Democrats have already proposed. Quote, I do, I support it, but it has to be done properly. <laughs> End quote. Trump said when asked during a Fox Business Network interview at the White House, whether he was in favor of sending another round of stimulus checks to blunt the impact of the pandemic. He went on to add, I support actually larger numbers than the Democrats. The president did not, however, seem keen on continuing enhanced unemployment benefits. Trump said last month that the U.S. will be doing a very generous additional stimulus package but it's unclear at this point what form another round of relief will look like as Capitol Hill remains locked in debate over what should be included in the so-called Phase 4 stimulus package. CNBC, European stocks wrap up their best quarter in five years. What? That's crazy. I wonder what's going on. Are they doing a bunch of quantitative easing as well? Uh, MSN.com World's ultra wealthy Go for gold Amid stimulus Bonanza Zurich London So this is out of Reuters As stocks markets roar Back From the virus led route Advisors to the world's wealthy Are urging them to hold more gold Questioning the strength of the rally And the long term impact of the Global Central Bank's cash splurge. Before the pandemic, most private banks recommended their clients hold none or just a tiny amount of gold. Now, some are channeling up to 10% of their clients' portfolios into the yellow metal as the massive central bank stimulus reduces bond yields, making non-yielding gold more attractive and raises the risk of inflation that would devalue other assets and currencies. While gold prices have already risen 14%, since the start of the year to 1370 an ounce, many private bankers bet that gold, which is a head, which is a hedge against inflation and deflation has further to run quote. Our view is that the weight of monetary supply expansion is going to ultimately be debasing to the dollar and the fed commitments, which are anchoring real estate. I'm sorry, which are anchoring real rates make the case for gold pretty sturdy. End quote. This is Lisa, Lisa, wow, Lisa Chalet, Chalet, I don't know, Chief Investment Officer for Wealth Management at Morgan Stanley. Nine private banks spoken to by Reuters, which collectively oversee around $6 trillion in assets for the world's ultra-rich said they had advised clients to increase their allocation to gold. Of them, four provided forecasts, and all of the four saw prices ending the year higher than they are now. UBS, the world's biggest wealth manager, said gold could hit $1,800 by year end in its, ba- in its base case scenario. Driven by ultra-low interest rates and investors seeking gold to hedge their portfolios or even touch a record $2,000 an ounce in the event of a second wave of novel 
virus infections. Quote, with the recent equity rally, people have become more nervous. People are actively seeking out portfolio hedges that might perform well in a range of scenarios. End quote. This is Karen Ganesh from UBS Chief Investment Office. Morgan Stanley added a 5% position to commodities, including gold, in all of its models at the end of March. While the bank was unlikely to advise a position above 10% in commodities like gold, Chalet, 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 I don't know, said it could get there, especially if inflation picks up materially. The boost in demand could be a self-fulfilling prophecy for the metal's price as any shift in allocation from bond and equity markets estimated to uh, estimated at up to a combined $200 trillion has as much larger impact on the smaller gold market, which is estimated at less than $5 trillion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how are you going to get $200 trillion into a market that only, is only large enough for $5 trillion? Well, Queries about gold have increased. Very few clients had demanded a wholesale move into gold. Sure, something they would have been advised against. Sure, the bankers said. Adding older clients tended to be the most concerned about inflation inflation risks. Quote, yeah, yeah. So it's all just old people who are scared, huh? Quote, the cohort is very concerned about wealth preservation, and in many ways they have a longer historic lens than some of our other clients. So they do worry about inflation. End quote. This is Morgan Stanley's chalet. I'm just going to say chalet, y'all. This is what chalet said. John LaForge, head real asset strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute, said from two calls a week on gold last year, he is now at two calls a day, spiking to 10 calls when the metal has a good day. Quote, I'm getting as many questions on gold as I do on oil, which says a lot from my perspective. Most people are interested in renewables and oil and so on. And gold has often or was often considered a relic. End quote. Forge said, despite the fact that holding golds paid no income, Oliver Gregson, head of the United Kingdom and Ireland at JP Morgan private bank said inquiries had gone up as clients increasingly viewed it at a Port in a storm. He forecast a a $1,750 year-end price target. I'm going to move forward, but yeah, that's ultra wealthy. Uh, I want to get to the show. So I'm just gonna end there with current events, y'all. Y'all let me know if uh, you know <clears throat> if you're feeling the current events. If you're not, I'm really interested in what you're thinking and how you feel about the show. But let's get into the show. Glitch the Matrix Part Two. Glitch. What is a glitch? What do I, I know a glitch as you know. I remember playing like Super Mario Brothers, man. You know, or or Contra or 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 Sonic the Hedgehog or you know any of these games where in specific areas I remember my brother used to play SOCOM like some like I don't know some army game where you're shooting people and stuff where he found this glitch and a glitch is really <clears throat> it's a it's a a place 
or a part in a specific area of a game or some of that nature where the programmers or the program itself contains a little hole or there was a hole left so you're able to do things like you know I remember Super Mario Brothers you if you hit the the shell on the little stairs at a certain point you can keep hitting it and get extra guys I know my brother in that one game he could sit in the bushes and shoot people and they couldn't see where he was shooting from and you know there's all these little things where if you know the game itself and you've explored the game well enough or if you know someone who has explored the game well enough you find little glitches glitches in the game where you can make things happen that normally doesn't happen in other areas and the majority or in any other area of the game so that's what I'm talking about you know what a glitch is you know I know people look at you know glitches as other ways and in other you know but that's you know that's what I'm talking about so the first glitch we was got on life insurance and how you glitch the matrix with life insurance because the matrix is set up to harvest your energy so this time we're going to talk about how we glitch the matrix with this time we're talking about the credit cast system of America now you got to understand what this is like I said you got to understand the game and be knowledgeable with the game or know someone who understands the game and be knowledgeable with the game so you can catch the glitch so with that being said I want to talk about the American credit cast system and first and foremost, you know, in order to do that, man, hold on. We got to we gotta understand what a caste system is. So, you know, I jumped on Wikipedia, which, you know, whatever. People can say what they want to say. But ultimately, a, a caste system is a social stratification characterized by uh, endogamy. Okay? So, okay, what is social stratification? Let's slow down. Social stratification refers to a society's categorization of its people into groups based on socioeconomic factors like wealth, income, race, education, gender, gender, occupation, social status, or derived power, whether it be social or political. So social stratification is a society's categorization of its people into groups based on social Socio and economic factors. Okay, social stratification. I know, I know it's crazy. Endogamy. What is this? Endogamy is the practice of marrying within a specific social group, caste or ethnic group, rejecting those from others, um, other groups as unsuitable for marriage or other close personal relationship. Endogamy is a com- as a common in many cultures and ethnic groups. Several religious and ethnic religious groups are traditionally more uh, endogamous, <laughs> although sometimes with added dimension of requiring marital religious conversion. This permits an exogamous, exogamous being uh, the social norm of marrying outside one social group. So, being able to marry outside your social group. Okay? Endogamy. Endogamy is the practice of 
marrying within a specific social group, caste, or ethnic group. Okay? So look, you got to know this stuff is going on. If you don't know this stuff is going on, then you can't recognize what's happening. You can call it racism. You can call it it's social dynamics. It, it, it really breaks down to that. Okay, so let's get back to the caste system. Okay? So the caste system is, um, or caste is a form of social stratification, uh, separation of a population over uh, due to social economic status, categorized by endogamy, which is marrying and intermarrying within specific groups or castes or religions. Hereditary transmission of the style of life. Hereditary transmission of a style of life. You know, you, okay? Which often includes an occupation. Ritual status in a hierarchy and customary social interaction and exclusion based on cultural notions of purity and pollution. It's paradynamic. I'm sorry, paradigmatic. Ethnographic example is the division of India's Hindu society into rigid social groups with roots in India's ancient history and persisting to the present time. However, the economic significance of the caste system in India has been declining as a result of urbanization and affirmative action programs. So a caste system, what is it? It's a separation of a population due to socioeconomic factors like wealth, income, race, education, <laughs> gender, op- occupation, social status, so- social status or derived power such as social power or political power. Does that sound familiar? Society's characterization of a people's into groups based on social economic factors like wealth, income, race, education, gender, occupation, social status, and derived power. Does that sound familiar? It's a caste system. The word caste derives from the Spanish and Portuguese casta, which according to John Mayshew's Spanish Dictionary of 1569 means race, lineage, tribe, or breed. Okay? Caste. The caste system in India is a paradigmatic ethnographic example of caste. It has an origin in ancient India and was transformed by various ruling elites in medieval, early modern, and modern in India, especially the Mughal Empire, Mughal, Mughal, I don't know, and the British Raj. It is today the basis of affirmative action programs in India. The caste system consists of two different concepts, Varna and Jati, which may be regarded as different levels of analysis of the system. The caste system, as it exists today, is thought to be I'm sorry, is thought to be the result of developments during the collapse of the Mughal area, Mughal, I don't know, man, and the rise of the British colonial regime in India. The collapse of the Mughal era saw the rise Mughal. Just, man, I'm going to look that up because I bet you I know the etymology of that word. 
saw the rise of powerful men which associated themselves with kings, priests, and ascetics, affirming the regal and martial form of caste ideal, and it also reshaped many apparently casteless social groups into differentiated caste communities. Okay? What is India's caste system? This is BBC.com. I know, I know. We're going to get into it, though, because we got to understand, you got to understand this foundation so y'all can understand what I'm going to get into and how it's over here. It's been over here. People ain't look, man. Okay, so India's caste system is among the world's oldest forms of surviving social stratification. We understand what social stratification is now. The system which divides Hindus into rigid hierarchical groups based on their karma work and dharma the hindi word for religion but here it means duty is generally accepted to be more than 3,000 years old for centuries caste has dictated almost every aspect of hindu religious and social life with each group occupying a specific place in this complex hierarchy Rural communities have long been arranged and the bases, I'm sorry, on the basis of caste, the upper and lower caste almost always lived in segregated colonies. The water worlds were not shared. Brahmins are the higher part, their priests or teachers. The uh, Kshatriyas are the warriors and the rulers at the second level. The Vaishyas are the farmers and the traders and the merchants. The Shudras are the laborers, and the Dalits are the outcasts, are the street sweepers, the latrine cleaners, so on and so forth. So, Brahmins, the higher class, would not accept food or drink from Shudras, and the Shudras were the laborers. They weren't even the lowest class, but they're represented by the foot. I'm t- <laughs> Look, bang. Oh, man. At the top of the hierarchy were the Brahmins, who were mainly teachers and intellectuals, and are believed to have come from Brahma's head. Then came the Kshatriyas, or the warriors, and the rulers, supposedly from the, his arms, the god uh, Brahman. I'm sorry, Brahma is their god. The third slot went to the Vashyas, or the traders, who were created from his thighs. At the bottom of the heap were the Shudras, who came from Brahma's feet and did all the menial jobs. The main castes were further divided into about 3,000 castes and 25,000 subcastes, each based on a specific occupation. Outside of the Hindu caste system were the Ashuts, the Dalits, or the Untouchables. For centuries, caste has dictated almost every aspect of Hindu religious and social life, with each group occupying a specific place in this complex Hierarchy. Okay, so I'm not going to jump in um, too much further than that. Um, but just to say that uh, there was a spot right here where I was like, rural communities have long been. Nope, I already said that one. The system bestowed, here we go, many privileges on the upper castes while sanctioning repression of the lower castes by privileged groups. These privileged groups who 
weren't the higher class, but they were privileged more than the lower castes. Sound familiar? Often criticized for being unjust and regressive, it remained virtually unchanged for centuries, trapping people into fixed social orders from which it was impossible to escape. So what is a caste system? Social stratification. What is social stratification? The differentiation of a population through socioeconomic Differences such as wealth, income, and so on and so forth. Okay, okay. So the credit caste system of America, the credit caste system. This, this system, this this caste system does exist in America. Absolutely does. And it exists through the credit system. Now, when I'm about to read. This is PPDP, or also known as the Public Policy Discussion Papers, from the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. The name of the paper is Who Gains and Who Loses from Credit Card Payments? Theory and cal- uh, Calibrations, Scotch uh, School, Oz Shy, and Joanna Stavins. Public Policy Discussion Papers, Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. I'm, I'm just going to keep saying that, so y'all got time to pull this thing up, because it's not hard to find. PP, DP, number 1003, 1003. Number 10-03, Public Policy Discussion Papers, Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, who gains and who loses from credit card payments, Okay. Now, a caste system, a system that you could not escape, a socioeconomic position that you cannot escape, I'm telling you, check out the glitch in the matrix. Merchant fees and reward programs. Merchant fees and reward programs generate an implicit monetary transfer to credit card users from non-card or cash users. They're going to call them cash users. But these also, these cash users also include debit card users. Let's say it again. Merchant fees, merchant fees, that the credit card, they, they charge the merchant fees in order to be able to run these credit cards. The, the, the company, the, the store, the gas station, they are charged fees by credit card companies in order to run credit cards. Merchant fees and reward programs generate an implicit monetary transfer to credit card users from non-card users or debit card users or cash users because merchants generally do not set differential prices for card users to recoup the costs of fees and rewards. So because merchants charge fees, I'm sorry, they're charged fees to use the credit card or be able to swipe credit cards in their normal transaction of them doing business, 
they don't charge credit card users more than cash users. Okay, this is what they're saying. On average, each cash-using household pays $149 to credit card-using households, and each card-using or credit card-using household receives $1,133 from cash users every year. Okay, man, let me break this down. So, because companies, merchants, gas stations, grocery stores, uh, corner stores, whatever, because they are charged fees in order to swipe Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, they pass those fees on to customers generally, everyone. And the way they do that is they raise the prices of the goods and services that they sell. All right? Hands down. So if you pay cash, if you pay with a debit card, you pay with a credit card, you're paying the same price. But if you're paying with a debit card and you're paying with cash, you are paying $149 a year to people like me who use credit cards. And households like mine are receiving $1,133 from non-credit card users every year. Because credit card spending and rewards are positively correlated with household income, the payment instrument transfer also induces a regressive transfer from low-income to high-income households in general. I'm about to repeat that. Because credit card spending and rewards are positively correlated with household income. So credit card spending and rewards. So households that spend money using credit cards overall and rewards from said using credit cards are positively correlated with household income. The payment instrument transfer, so the transfer of value of those who use cash and debit cards to those who use credit cards getting rewards and stuff like that, it induces a regressive transfer of wealth from low-income to high-income households in general on average, and after accounting for rewards paid to households by banks, the lowest income household, $20,000 or less annually, pays $21. And the highest income household, $150,000 or more annually, receives $750 every year. So low-income households by using cash and debit cards, we pay $21 a year on average. And households in the highest income receive on average $750 every year. We build and calibrate a model of consumer payment choice to compute the effects of merchant fees and card rewards on consumer welfare. 
Reducing merchant fees and car rewards would likely increase consumer welfare. You think the credit card companies are going to do that? The typical, excuse me, the typical consumer is largely unaware of the full ramifications of paying for goods and services by credit card. Faced with many choices, cash, check, debit, or credit card, etc., consumers naturally consider the costs and benefits of each payment instrument and choose accordingly. For credit cards, consumers likely think most about their benefits, the delayed payment and the rewards earned, cash back, frequent flyer miles, and other enticements. What most consumers do not know is that their decision to pay by credit card involves merchant fees, retail price increases, and a non-trivial transfer of income from cash to card payers, from cash to card payers, and consequently, a transfer from low-income to high-income consumers. In contrast, the typical merchant is acutely aware of the ramification of customers' decisions to pay with credit cards. They're saying merchants, the stores, they know. They know the ramifications. For the privilege of accepting credit cards, U.S. merchants pay banks a fee that is proportional to the dollar value of the sale. So if, you, you, if it's a higher sale, there's a higher fee. The merchant bank then pays a proportional interchange fee to the consumer's credit card bank. Naturally, merchants seek to pass the merchant fee to their customers. Merchants may want to recoup the merchant fee only from consumers who pay by credit card. In practice, however, credit card companies impose a no-surcharge rule that prohibits U.S. merchants from doing so. And most merchants are reluctant to give cash discounts. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Most credit card companies impose a no-surcharge no rule. So if they're accepting credit cards at their or debit cards at their establishment and they have a they try to impose a surcharge for credit cards, you can report them to the credit card company and they will lose their ability to do so, to even use credit cards, to accept credit cards rather. Most of us don't know that, but check this out. I'm gonna keep going. Instead, merchants mark up their retail prices for all consumers by enough to recoup the merchant fees from credit card sales. So they know each product they sell. If they sell it at a particular price, they know how much the fee is going to be, so they add that onto there. This retail price markup for all consumers results in credit card paying consumers being subsidized by consumers who do not pay with credit cards, a result that was first discussed in Carlton Frankel in 1995 and later in Frankel in 1998, in Katz in 2001, Gans and King in 2003, Schwartz and Vincent in 2006. For simplicity, refer to the consumers who do not pay by credit cards as cash payers, where cash represents all payment instruments other than credit cards, which is cash, checks, debit, and prepaid cards, etc. Subsidized means that merchant fees are passed on to all buyers in the form of higher retail prices, regardless of the means of payments buyers used to pay. Thus, cash buyers must pay higher retail prices to cover merchants' costs associated with credit cards' merchant fees because these fees are used to pay for rewards given to credit card users. And since cash users do not receive rewards, cash users also finance part of the rewards given to credit card users. And most of us don't even think about that. 
We don't even think on the fact that, yo, every time I go pay for anything for cash, I am financing the rewards for people who pay with credit cards. Anytime I pay with a debit card or a check, I'm paying the same price of the goods as if I paid with a credit card. So the fact that I'm not using that device and the merchant is saving money, I'm essentially financing part of the rewards giving to credit card users. I'm telling you, if the subsidy of card payers by cash payers results from um, heterogeneity in consumer preferences and utility between cash and card payments, the subsidy may be innocuous in terms of consumer and social welfare. However, U.S. data show that credit card use is very positively correlated with consumer income. Income, remember what, what stratification, the, cha- the, the separation of a population of a country due to socioeconomic factors such as wealth and income? I know, I drew it all out. I had to bring y'all all the way to this point because here it is, right here. U.S. data shows that credit card use is very positively correlated with consumer income. Consequently, the subsidy of credit card payers by cash payers also involves a regressive transfer of income from low-income consumers to high-income consumers. Um, regressive, tending to return or revert to a previous state. This regressive transfer is amplified by the disproportionate distribution of rewards, which are proportional to credit card sales to high-income credit card users. Frankel, 1998, footnote 85, was the first to connect the wealth transfers to average income of groups of consumers. Stratification, different groups. I'm telling you, man, this is the individual. Invi- credit is it, man, look. <sighs> that is poor non-cardholders are subsidizing wealthier cardholders. This idea was later discussed in Carlton and Frankel, 2005's page, uh, pages 640 to 641, and Frankel and Saf. Champagne? Frankel and Champagne, 2006, footnote 19. Our contribution to this line of research is that we are the first to compute who gains and loses from credit card payments in the aggregate economy. Aggregated all together. We compute dollar value estimates of the actual transfers from cash payers to card users and from low income to high income households. A related paper by Berkovich in 2009 estimates the total amount transferred from non-rewards consumers to rewards consumers in the United States resulting from gasoline and grocery purchases only. We propose a simple model-free accounting methodology to compute the two transfers by comparing the costs imposed by individual consumer payment choices with actual prices paid by each buyer. On average, each cash buyer pays $149 to card users a year. And each card buyer receives $1,133 from cash users every year. A total transfer of $1,282 from the average cash payer to the average card uh, average card payer. 
on average and after accounting for rewards paid to households by banks. When all households are divided into two income groups, divided, stratification, cast, Each low-income household pays $8 to high-income households, and each high-income household receives $430 from low-income households every year. The magnitude, that's just divided into, that's just the stratification of two groups. The magnitude of this transfer is even greater when household income is divided into seven categories. What did I say? I'm telling you. You think this ain't the, man, look. On average, the lowest-income household, $20,000 or less, annually pays a transfer of $21 to the highest income household, $150,000 more or annually, who receives a subsidy of $750 every year. The transfers among income groups are smaller than those between cash and card users because some low-income households use credit cards and many high-income households use cash. Finally, about 79% of banks' revenue from credit card merchant fees is obtained from cash payers. 79% of banks revenue from credit card merchant fees is obtained from cash payers man you would think that 79 that the majority that the major percentage of revenue of banks for merchant fees would be from those who use cards but it's not or at least credit cards but it's not And if you didn't know, you would not be able to figure this out. To conduct welfare and policy analysis of these transfers, we construct a structural model of a simplified representation of U.S. payments market and calibrate it with U.S. microdata on consumer credit card use and related variables. Parameters derived from the model are notably reasonably, I'm sorry, are notably reasonable Given the simplicity and limitations of the model and data, high-income households appear to receive an inherent utility benefit from credit card use that is more than twice as high as that received by low-income households. Eliminating the merchant fee and credit cards rewards together would increase consumer welfare by 15%. So I could keep going. Y'all know I could keep reading. I like to read. I enjoy reading. It's one of the main ways by which that I learn new things. No doubt. But I'm going to skip continuing to read. And I'm going to invite you to read it. Now, it is a few pages. But it's... um, I don't think it's that long. It's got graphs. It's got charts. You can read the whole thing. You can understand it. And you can, you know, move more into a position of knowledge. Into a position of wisdom. But it's one of the main things when we talk about credit on the foundation, when we talk about business credit on the foundation, is that I understand this wealth transfer that is effectuated through the the use of rewards and cash back and all this other stuff. I mean, I don't know who paid for it, but let's say you got a card that gives you 1%. This is, I was going to say 5%, but let's just say 1% cash back, right? 
You have a card that pays 1% cash back and you put a, town, a down payment. Or you, or you pay, not even a down payment, let's just say you buy something for $10,000. And you use that card. You didn't, you didn't pay $10,000 for that. You paid $9,900 for that because you got 1% cash back for using the card. Okay, so where did that $100 come from? Now you know where it came from. Once again, this is the public policy discussion papers from the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, number 1003. You can pull it down as a PDF version. You can save it to your hard drive. You can read it at your leisure. But this is something, one of the many things that you can utilize to learn about the credit cast system of America. You got to understand what cast is. You got to understand what stratification is. You got to understand what the cast system is. And you got to understand how the credit system works in order to be able to pick this stuff up. Specifically what I'm talking about. Or you're specifically told about it. These are the two ways. Now, the Glitch the Matrix series is just that, man. I'm trying to show y'all the glitches. Now, I'm not, y'all know me. I'm not going to run out here and throw you a 12-step program and, you know, you just do some dance. You don't have to learn anything. Just do some movements and you get certain results. That's not how the foundation works. At best, we're looking to put you in a position for you to monetize your own labor at your own rate. But in order to do that, you got to, you know, you got to know certain things. You have to be structured in a certain way. But understanding what a caste system is, you can recognize how the caste system is implemented in a so-called civilized Western society. And just by, in this system, using cash and debit cards and checks and not using credit cards, you're losing we're, we're giving up money every year that we didn't even know because we don't understand the system. So what is the glitch? Glitch the matrix. The glitch is, is to use credit cards in this system. Yes, you can assign credit card contracts to a private contractual trust. You should jump into the trustee training if you really want to get structured and do your dance Imagine what I say in private on the trainings and in private consultations if I say this stuff in the public. But you should be using the glitch is using cash back and reward credit cards. Because you understand that these credit card companies are charging merchant fees to merchants. And the merchants are adding those fees onto all of their customers. They are contractually forbidden from passing on or doing a surcharge fee for credit card customers only. With regards to the contract with the credit card companies. So they raise all the prices of all the goods and services and those who use credit cards with cash back uh, miles or whatever rewards 
Those rewards are being paid for by those who use debit cards and cash and checks and transactions in America. This is another way how the system steals your labor, steals your wealth, and we don't even see it. And this is why we here at the foundation, we over here, and we just talking about, man, we got you got to get your structure right, and you got to reestablish the foundational level of knowledge when it comes to interfacing in this commercial system. You got to reestablish your foundation, and the only way to do that is is through private education. So. It is, and those of you who have, you know, quote, played the credit game, you understand that it's quite difficult to get into those credit cards that do the cash back dance. You know, one of the easiest ones is to get a Chase or Freedom card or whatever, but the cash back 5% rotates in categories every three months and stuff like that. It can be cantankerous. It can be difficult. But the 1% cash back cards, you know, uh, the miles cards, these reward cards, these are the cards. And I know a lot of people, I'm private, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're private, you shouldn't be, you know what I'm saying? You shouldn't be transacting in the public. And if you are, you should be transacting through, you know, a private entity or, you know, through a private entity that transacts through the public entity or something like that. But like I said, Ain't nothing wrong with signing contracts with private contractual trust. It's, it's a contract assignment. It's very simple. I've been sitting next to, you know, the the tax preparer, and they was like, "Well, what about these these personal credit card payments?" And I was like, "Oh, we got the contract assignment right here." And he was like, "Okay." Everybody goes to the store. We all buy groceries. We all, you know, most of us all have to get gas on the way to work or something like that. We got to buy clothes, you know what I'm saying? And, and groceries and, and gas and, and clothes and all, all these things that we do at places, at merchants, at businesses where that, that accept credit cards. They are passing these credit card fees that they are being charged to accept credit cards on to all customers and if you're not using a cash back or rewards credit card in your transactions at merchants and businesses that accept credit cards you are basically giving away money every single year you are giving away on average one hundred forty-nine dollars. I don't even—I don't even realize. I didn't look to see when what year this paper was published. But on average, at the time of the publishing of this paper, on average, you're giving away. You're losing one hundred forty-nine dollars just because you're using debit cards and 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 and, and cash and 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 checks if you, they still accept them at these establishments that also accept credit cards because we don't understand the dynamics of how these credit card fees are passed on to all customers and how 
and what that implication is and how it affects your private estate, how it affects your wealth. And that every year, it's a regressive wealth transfer every single year to those high-income families. Never knew. Never would have known, right? And like I said, it's not easy, especially you got some late payments or something. You know, you, your credit ain't—it's not easy getting a cash back card, man. It's not easy getting one of the miles cards and rewards cards or whatever. It's not easy. And they got the bonuses, but you got to—you got to run like three bands or four bands on the card before you get the bonus, the rewards or whatever. And most—they know—they know most people aren't are not uh, responsible and accountable to run up the, the card to get the bonus miles or the bonus points or whatever and not end up paying them back for those bonus points through interest on on the account balance. But those who are Wealthy, those who are savvy, those who know money, do, do, we do not carry balances on our credit cards. We use credit cards like debit cards. A matter of fact, credit, I would rather use a credit. If we're in a debit and credit system, I would rather utilize a credit card and a credit and debit system versus a debit card and a credit and debit system. And I think, I think maybe that, you know, that's kind of an explanation. It's like right in front of our face. But not in front of our face that on average, you know, um, wealthy families receive $1,133 from cash users every year. Those who don't use credit cards. It adds up. It adds up. It adds up. Every time, you know, every time you buy water, every time you jump on a bus, every time you pay pay for anything, it adds up. These credit card fees are everywhere. If you if you driving downtown and you go to the meter and the meter accept credit cards and debit cards, well, just so you know, a portion of your your payment for that meter is going to high income credit card users. Stratification, cash system. You're certain, you know, um, you know your your personal credit is a, has a lot to do with your zip code. If you live in a high-income neighborhood or part of town, you're gonna get higher, higher, um, higher approvals with the same credit profile than you would in a different zip code. It's the cash system. Most people don't see it. But you know, you can get out of it. You can you can you can move in this caste system. And that's with, you know, proper knowledge. That's with, you know, understanding what's going on. That's understanding the game so you can find the glitches. Hey, we got about sixty seconds left in the broadcast. If you checking this out online, you wanna call in four two four two 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 five two five zero. Otherwise you will get cut off. And you will have to check out the show or the remainder remainder of the show in the archives. I'll probably go to the phone lines. I ain't, I, I ain't really been. I've been just trying to do the show and get out of here because I prep so hard for these glitch shows, glitch the metric shows. But um, yeah, like I said, four two four two 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 fifty two fifty.
So, you know, uh, yeah, zip code, that's what I was saying, zip code. Zip code affects the credit, the credit file. Isn't that, is that, is that wealth? That's, that's wealth and income. Zip code, if you can live a certain zip code, that would indicate, you know, a certain income, right? I'm telling you, this is what's going, this is what's going on, um, I think I think everybody should, you know, look into this. I think everybody should should pay attention to this. I think this is a big deal. While we paying attention to all this other stuff, you know, I know a lot of people jumping into the stock market like it's cool. It's not cool. It's not over. A lot of Robin Hood investors, a lot of people think they know what's going on. But The name of this game is credit. And using credit to obtain income producing assets. And credit, at least how we see here, high income credit users are coming up off of low income cash users. So, you know, with that being said, you know, we got to get structure right, but we also got to know the game. So that's pretty much that's that's how that's what a caste system that's what a caste is. We talked about India's caste system, how it's broken down. I feel like I you know I presented a a pretty pretty solid uh, a pretty solid uh, you know substantive <laughs> presentation with regards to how the caste system. In the United States Is maintained through The credit system I don't know You let me know what you think But it's, it's real out here uh, Definitely email me Admin at welcome to the foundation.com I'm going to take a call or two Maybe I know I'm, I'm assuming blog talk is Block talk is cool. 925-1306. Peace 925 1306. Peace. You on you on there? Hey. Yeah, you kinda low, but I can hear you. Alright, let me stop it. Yeah. Is that better? Yep, that's better. That's good, man. How you doing? Okay. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. How's it? How you doing? So my, uh, my, you know, my appreciation for you putting out this information and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess I would, you know, play a question. So you tell me that basically. Hold on, man. I, now you going? Now hello? I really, now I can't understand you anymore. Yeah, yeah. hello. Yo. Damn. <laughs> um, no, basically all I was saying was that basically telling people telling like, hey, get a cash money crash you know. Right now you just So that makes sense. And then uh, and then I guess after five percent, five calls, then you want you know, fun both of those, you'd be doing all right. 
So, yeah, I'm, I was very short and sweet. I was just showing, you know, appreciate what you do. Keep doing it. I'm letting you get somebody else. All right, man. Appreciate you, man. I really do, man. I appreciate your consistency as well, man. But, yeah, uh, I'm going to move on to the next caller. Shout out to Brian from the Bay. Uh, let me jump down a little bit. 205 4147. Peace. Which name were you calling from? Yes, sir, indeed. Peace of the gods. Reporting live oh. right. from Birmingham, up, bro? bro. Alabama. It's your brother, bro. Hey, what's up, Melo? Lock this number what's going in. So, so, whatever you do, man, at the end, when you get time, I know you're busy. You get time. I try to email you and hit you, you know what I mean, from my other other source of uh, line, but I'm not sure if you got it or not. But lock this number in. So, uh, Cause yeah, man, I gotta gotta really gotta touch base on some things now. Gotta make some shit happen, man. So, uh, yeah, man. Most important thing, people do monetize your own labor. Time, money, space, and energy is important. You gotta do it. If you don't monetize your own labor, someone else will. Actually, mm-hmm. someone else is doing it. So it's just true fact. Credit, credit is king, as they say. You know, and cash to be really running with you. Cash is only is only lingering around because we agree upon it. And once that shit's over with, you're gonna see a lot of shit hit the fan, fam. So, uh, yeah, definitely, fam, definitely. You get up every day, exert your God given energy. Please do monetize your own your own works. So you can be able to benefit from it and you know, you and your heirs of your estate can have something to actually, you know what I mean, to uh to come into inheritance with. Because right now what are we actually inheriting? We inherit a lot of disease and debts. I'm being real. That's all I see. Disease and debt. You know, we're not making the proper choices because, for one, we're not in the proper position and we don't apply the proper information and knowledge. So, you know, um, it's done with all the conspiracy theories and different things of that nature. What's really what's real, fam. And we have to face what we're up against. We have to. You know, so let's just cut just cut all the bull right now and just recognize that shit. If you you really out here working, your works mean a great deal, a lot, a lot to corporations. But it should mean more to you. Point blank period. So you know, man, uh fam, it's just I'm I'm really I'm really just I'm not gonna hop from another corporation to another corporation. You know, that that's riding. I'm not gonna do that. The next the next step from here is to create my own cut my own check. Multiple streams of income, creating a diverse portfolio, actually administrating things. So, you know, um, yeah, man, time and space is energy is valuable. Monetize your own before others do, or continue to. So, you know, uh, bro, I I just chimed in, just really got back in, and then some more things I would like to chop it up on. But I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna leave that for another sector where we can. Baby, you know what I mean? Discuss that on the other side, man. Cause, yeah, bro, yeah, man, yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. <laughs> so, man, thanks for <laughs> so. No, people, people gotta know. You know what's sad on the way, bro? So, people, a lot of, a lot of majority of us is not gonna recognize how valuable this information is until we actually start to be affected by shit. Until it affects you and yours. Directly, then is what can we do? You know, mm-hmm. so you know, I 
That's just, and by that time, who's to say? It may be too late. Straight up. So, you know, yes, sir, let's do business. Let's do it properly. Let's make it count. Let's set up some for the future to leave behind. And shoot, man. Don't bullshit and boohoo about it. Don't make it no worse than what it already is. That's just really what that is, man. Article 1, Section 10. Diamonds, goals, true payments, money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man. I'll top, I'll top, but so lock this number in. And, bro, whenever you do get at your earliest convenience, when you do, just, uh, yeah, man. Just, uh, yeah, if you can. Because, yeah, I, I definitely got some, got something to go over. Need to just see what would be the best step to go about. You know what I'm saying? Um, Addressing this You know what I mean Because one thing I don't want to do I don't want to jump into the courts And do all that kung fu Back and forth talk I'm not doing that I'm not doing it You know what I'm saying I'm not doing it So Yeah Definitely man Definitely That's, that's what it is So so you know uh, But with that being said I'm going to go ahead And get these clothes up off me Get this work up off me And um, get situated man Get my alkaline water Get some Some good soup Black seed oil, man. Just, just recharge up. Yes, sir, man. Get your, uh, get your clothes, get the work clothes up off you, man. I appreciate you calling in, man, and uh, jumping on the foundation before you even, before you even, you know, get, get take a shower. I'm just messing <laughs> with you, man. But yeah, I'm gonna hit you up. Um, I hit you up, like yeah, I hit you up. I, I hit you up. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bro. Definitely, indeed, right. bro. Indeed, uh, be safe out there, man. Too, be safe out there. You know, protect yourself as well as others. You know, um, and make the best of it. It's another brick in the foundation. No, no matter what, it's another brick in the foundation. You know what I mean? And the foundation is getting built. <laughs> so, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Thank God for the archives, man. Y'all better thank God for the archives. Let me be real. <laughs> yeah, I bet they got for the right guys. Good shit, man. There would be no way you you would have to cram in a lot to recap this. Plus, trying to get in your personal, your your daily, you know what I'm saying, uh, routine schedule. So yeah, man. No doubt. Give thanks for all that you have done and continue to do. You know, I, no doubt, brother. Nevertheless, never think anything has been done in, in, in vain. All great works and rewards are honored. Trust that, bro. We all know. We know the value of that. And there are others coming along board and no value that too as well. So yeah, bro, no doubt. Peace to the gods. Peace to the ancestors. Peace to the creator. And I'm out, bro. Nah, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you very much, man. Uh that's good. That's good. That's good energy. It's great energy. That's wonderful energy. That's love, man. But um yeah, man, uh, Enjoy yourself and, and y'all too, man. Y'all enjoy yourselves. I'm, and with that I'm out. I'm out of here. I'm I'm gonna go holler at my family, you know. Um I prep for this show. Hopefully you enjoyed the show, but you know, check out the check out the paper if you need to. Otherwise, you know, I look forward to hearing from you in the future. You should be emailing me, whatever. You know. You don't have to though. It's nothing. <laughs> I'm just playing. Consultations, trustee training, email me, admin at welcome to the foundation dot com. Uh, running the fifty percent off, just just cause, man. Just cause you know, I know we need it. 
definitely needed. And uh, yeah, man, consultations, personal credit, business business credit, set up your business, uh, what you need to do, whatever. I mean, it's, I get into a lot of stuff. You know, admin at welcome to the foundation.com. It, it would be my pleasure, my honor. This is going down. It's going down. It's going down. The wealth transfer is here. It is happening as we speak, and there are other interesting things popping off as well. So, you know, let's get to it. Let's get ready. Admin at welcome to the foundation.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy yourself. Have a wonderful time. You know, don't stress. Don't worry about it. You know, just live in the moment as much as we can. Enjoy your family and, and take care of the people around you, man. You know, they love you. No one likes, no one wants to disappoint you. So try to remember that sometimes, you know, 10 things that you're thankful for before you go to sleep tonight, because that's very important. It's very important to be thankful and appreciative, you know, and live in, live in a state of appreciation as much as you can. Good things happen. But in the meantime, stay aware. You know what I'm saying? Understand. The truth is out there. Let's grab it. And I seek it every day, seeker of truth. And, you know, I pass along what I think is relevant to y'all here on the foundation. So that was Glitch the Matrix Part 2. The Credit Cast System of America, I trust that you were able to glean some information, some insight, maybe a different perspective. With that being said, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Catch you next week here on the foundation on High Frequency Radio Network. Peace to the gods. Doing this thing all the way live. High Frequency Radio.